fire afresh and anew. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. Now I want you to preach a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't burn out, burn on. Good to see all of you here today for the third service this weekend. Had a wonderful service last night on a Saturday night. If you ever want to have the whole Sunday just to yourself, get up and go somewhere and do what you want, come Saturday night because we're having wonderful church on Saturday night. Now, I want you to notice that three times, as we've already said, God told Moses to tell Aaron, here's your job, Aaron. It is your job as priest that the fire on the altar shall never go out. It's your job to put a fresh log on the fire. It's your job every morning to make sure that that fire is burning because the fire shall never go out. Now, he also directed that Aaron and his sons were to remove the ashes from the former day's fire so that nothing would get in the way of that fire burning brightly every day. So they had two things to do. They had to remove the ashes, anything that would hinder the fire from burning, and they were to put a fresh log on the fire itself. Now, it's very important for us to understand today that this fire, when it was lit the first time, was lit supernaturally by God himself. Chapter 9, verse 24 says in Leviticus, same book, It says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell on their faces. Now, what's that telling us? That when this first began, supernatural fire fell out of heaven and struck that offering and ignited the fire for the very first time. Now, I'm going to tell you, church, if fire ever falls from heaven and strikes in this sanctuary, you aren't going to see me standing. I'm going to do what they did. I'm falling on my face before a holy God. So God lit the original fire. It was lit by God himself, but watch this. Having been lit by God himself, it was to be kept burning by the priest. God lit it. Then God said, now you keep it burning. You be sure it stays burning. That's your job as a priest. Now, how many of you know that God has made you a priest? Did you know that you are a chosen generation? You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a called out people. Why? So that you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, if you're saved, you were called out of darkness, out of death, out of blindness, into his marvelous light. And God has anointed you and appointed you to show that, to reflect that. Do you know that the moon really is a witness to the evidence of the sun? That if it wasn't for the sun, you would never see the moon. But the moon only reflects the light of the sun. You know what you are? You are a moon in the eyes of God. That is, you reflect the sun. And that's your calling. And each and every, pre, every morning, watch this, each and every morning, the, the priest and his sons would get up and they would go into the temple and they would clean the ashes 
from the former day's burning to make sure that nothing hindered that day's fire, and they would put a fresh log on the fire. So daily, just make it simple, they were to remove something and to renew something. Now, I want you to catch this because this is a picture of what God has called you and I to do. You're a priest. And so every day we're to remove something. That is, we're to make sure that our hearts are clean. You know why? So that that day the fire of God's Spirit can burn brightly in us without hindrance. Now the Bible says that these Old Testament rituals and observances that God gave the people of the Old Testament were recorded for our learning. I want you to listen to Romans 15 verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Do you know that God wants you to always be filled with hope? You know, you can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without hope. The minute you let hope die, you die. God wants us to wake up in the morning and say, I am so excited about what is coming today because I know who holds my day. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's got something good for me, and I'm excited about it. Hope. So since God gave us this picture in Leviticus, the priest getting up every morning, going in there and removing the ashes from the former day's fire, putting a fresh log on the fire and being sure that the fire is burning brightly each and every day. The fire was never to go out. It was never to stop burning. What is God saying to those of us living now in the New Testament? Well, here's the first thing he's saying. In the same way that God lit a holy fire in the temple, he has lit a holy fire in the hearts of the New Testament redeemed. I want you to understand today, church, back then, the fire, if you had gone into the temple, you would have gone through the outer courts, into the inner courts, and then into the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah glory of God was always present. And God wanted the fire in the altar to continue burning, not only to burn up the sacrifices that were made, but he never wanted it to go out as a sign and a symbol that his glory and presence were never going to depart from his people. Now that temple was made by the hands of men. But in the New Testament, God does not dwell in a temple made of wood and steel and any other building material. God does not dwell in this building because this building has a name on the front of it that says church. God is here because you are here. And God walked in through you. So in the New Testament, we are the temple where the holy fire is to burn and never go out. Listen to what Paul said. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? What a powerful thing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The glory and the power and the presence of God walks around in you and me. Who could ever have done that? But the Lord Jesus Christ, everywhere you go, he goes. Every time you sit down, he sits down with you. He is in you and he is shining through you. 
and he is always to burn in you and it is never to go out. It's never to flicker. It's never to die, but it's to burn brightly with no ashes to hinder it. One day, John the Baptist, I want you to say with me, there's a fire in me. Now, there's some of you that couldn't even say it. I'm looking at some of you, and, and you need to inform your face that you got saved one day and that Jesus has redeemed you. Now, watch. Let's say it again. There is a fire in me. That's good. I want hell to hear that. I want devils to hear that. I want Satan to hear that. I want this world to hear that. Now, I need to convince some of you I can tell. So let me read you a little verse. One day, John the Baptist was preaching, and he made this statement about Jesus the Messiah. Matthew 3, verse 11. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unlatch. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, notice two things. He said he's going to baptize you. That's baptizo. That means totally immerse. He's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Notice he didn't say ice. He said fire. John said that Jesus would baptize you and I, envelop you and I, fill you and I, with the Holy Spirit and fire. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, the Holy Spirit represents guidance and comfort. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter. And when he comes, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but he will speak of me and show you things to come. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, the fire represents the presence of God's power and the zeal and fervency it produces in the hearts of God's people. So he's, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to baptize you with power and fire and zeal and passion and excitement for the things of God. God does not call frozen chosen. He calls red, hot, fiery, passionate people who have been touched by a power from another world. So Christians ought to have two things operating in their lives each and every day, the comfort and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the undying fire of zeal and power. Now, that's the way the Bible sees you and me. He doesn't see us as bored. He doesn't see us as burned out. He doesn't see us as half-baked. He doesn't see us as lukewarm. He sees us baptized in fire and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that kind of person you can't miss in a crowded room. I got to tell you, church, if there was ever a day since I have been in the ministry, and I started when I was 18 years old, if there was ever a day that America needs churches on fire, we're in that day. We need churches on fire fire. How many of you want to be a part of a church that's on fire? Not half dead, but on fire. We need churches with fire and on fire because it's getting darker and darker out there. 
But I got to tell you, the good news is, is that when there is a fire in the church, that fire shines into a dark world and like moths flying to a flame, the lost see it and they say, I've got to find out where that life is. I've got to find out where they get their peace. I've got to find out what's going on there. A church is a city set on a hill, not a hut in the shadows. I read recently of a church in a small town that caught fire and burned to the ground. As the pastor stood by helplessly watching it go down, he spotted a church member he hadn't seen in a long time. Brother, he said, haven't seen you in a while. What brings you here now? He replied, this is the first time I've seen our church on fire in a long time. (laughs) The church, Jesus said, is a candle on a lampstand. A candle on a lampstand. You know, when I walk into a room, if there's a candle on a lampstand, it's one of the first things I notice. I am drawn to the flame. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. See, when there is a church that is on fire, it cannot be hidden. When a church is really lit and filled with the Holy Spirit, and moving on in the things of God, and filled with holy passion and zeal for the work of God and for the person of Jesus Christ. And they are flat, slap, happy in love with Jesus Christ. It's like a city set on a hill that you cannot hide. You don't have to advertise. They're going to find you when you are filled with power and fire. Do you know that according to Jesus, the church is to be known for light and fire. A light shines and a candle burns. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, listen to this, Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never, not ever. Do you know what never means in the Greek? Never. Never, watch this, be lacking in zeal. Never let your zeal level go down. You ought to never be lacking in zeal. The tank ought to always be full. God doesn't say, I understand when you burn out. God says, I've given you the wisdom to burn on. Never be lacking in zeal. Then he goes on and says, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, you know what the word zeal means? It means boiling red hot. How many Christians do you know that when you think of them, you think, boy, they are boiling for Jesus, red hot for Jesus. I know a few, but it's not the majority. But I'm going to teach you today how to get red hot again. How many of you would love to wake up red hot for Jesus and stay red hot for Jesus? Let me tell you, our, our, country, our country's problems are not going to be solved by the Democrats, the Republicans, the Libertarians, or any other political party. God is not even looking to a political party to solve the problems of this country. You know where God is looking? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Yes. The church. The church is the most powerful force on earth when it is filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Jesus said in Revelations, I wish that you were red hot in your zeal for me. I wish you were red hot. Either get hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, kind of in, kind of out, kind of here, kind of not, riding the fence. He said, I don't want you there. If you're lukewarm, I want to throw you up. But I want you to make up your mind, get either hot or cold. But if you're going to be hot, be red hot and boil and go for it. Folks, I've learned life happens fast. You live and then you go home to be with Jesus. We don't have much time. And so I want to encourage you and I want to just bring to your mind today that we need to be red hot for Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with this passionate fire. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, he was a pastor at this moment. I want you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Timothy, you've got a gift, you've got a fire in you, and it's starting to ebb a little bit, so I want you to fan it into flame. You know, it's funny. Most of us have fireplaces, or at least a lot of us do. And in the winter, when we start a fire in the fireplace, and it begins to go down, either you or somebody in the room says, hey, the fire is going out. Go grab another log. We know exactly what to do. And we get a log and bring it in and throw it in and we stoke that fire again. And some of us have something like this. These are called bellows. Y'all are looking at me like, these are bellows. And, and we used to use these more than, than now. But you would, you would get that flame and you would use these to stoke the flame and get it into a burning, raging fire again. Do you know that you can do that with your inner man? How is it that we know how to keep a fire going in a fireplace, but we don't know how to keep the fire burning on the hearth of our soul? God has given us bellows and God has given us wood. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. It's not by mistake that when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, He appeared as fire. Suddenly a sound came like the blowing of a violent wind, says Acts 2, verse 2. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. We've heard so many people lately tragically talk in the last few weeks about what a tornado sounds like. They said, it's like a train is coming at you. You hear a raging wind like a train. And it's a destructive wind, and it kills, and it destroys, and it obliterates. But in this that happened on Pentecost, they had an auditory vision. They heard something that wasn't there in the natural. It was a mighty, violent, rushing when God showing that the spirit he was pouring out was a spirit of force and power. Not only did they hear something, but they saw something. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of their heads. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. The great gift of the Holy Spirit fell it fell with the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it fell with fire. So it was a forceful, fiery spirit that God poured out. And when it fell upon the people, they became forceful and fiery. From that day forward, 
a burning, zealous, fervent band of unlearned, unsophisticated former fishermen and tax collectors went out and turned the Roman world upside down and inside out, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. And don't say to me that that passed away with the first century. No, no, no. That same power is here and available right now for every single person in this room. The fire of the Holy Ghost is the power of God in the believer's life, and we ought to be burning with it. Now, where I'm going with this, let me just get right to it. A third thing we learn is this. Just as the priest was to place a new log on that fire daily, every believer is called to keep the fire burning on the altar of their own soul. Every morning that priest got up, he moved those ashes. He got those ashes out of the way. Those ashes represent, as far as you and I are concerned, getting out of the way any carnality, any unconfessed sin, anything that would stand in the way, any cares of the world, any worries, any fears, any doubts, anything that would stand in the way of the fire burning brightly that day. Get it out of the way. And then put a new log on the fire. They were called and we are called to keep the fire burning in our own soul. Every day they remove the ashes and renew the flame. Every day they remove the ashes and renew the flame. You know what your call and my call is? When we get up in the morning, it is remove the ashes and renew the flame. Can you say that with me? Remove the ashes and renew the flame. Now, you don't have to do this, but if you don't do it, you will drift from God. Let's go back to Timothy for a moment. Paul said to him, Timothy, Pastor Timothy, son, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you when I laid hands on you. Now, the only thing we can surmise from that command is that the fire had begun to ebb in Timothy's life. A pastor, first century, with Paul walking around, with all these miracles happening. But the, the fire had begun to ebb in Timothy's life. The flame was flickering. His zeal was cooling off. And that's exactly what's happening now in the lives of many believers, unfortunately. We live in a very dark culture. I want you all to hear me closely on this one. We live in a very dark, seductive culture that is rapidly, not by the week and not by the day, but by the hour, walking away from God. And it is very, very persuasive. And if you do not stay close to Jesus and learn what I'm sharing with you today, it has the power to reach out and cause you to drift away from God and become a worldly carnal Christian at best and lose your fire. For various reasons, many once burning believers are losing their fire. The zeal is waning. The thrill is gone. And lukewarmness is setting in. Let me tell you something about the enemy of your soul. If Satan can't keep you out of the kingdom of God, he's going to go after your fire. If Satan can't keep you from Jesus, you remember how hard he fought you to keep you from coming to Christ? Don't read that book. Don't listen to that person. Don't go to that church. Don't go to that service. Stay away from those Jesus freaks. Don't listen to what they have. They fought you tooth and nail to keep you out of the kingdom of God. But that glorious day came when you went to the cross of Christ 
and you looked to the man bleeding on the tree and you said, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I believe you died for me and rose again so that I could live. I give you my sin and I ask you for your righteousness. And at that moment, he came into your heart and lit a fire. And you were forgiven of all your sins. And he gave you a new nature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. He gave you a brand new start. So the devil said, okay, I couldn't keep him from the kingdom, but now I'm going after that fire, that zeal, that first love, that passion, that excitement. And if I can, I'm going to put it out. I'm going to snuff it. I'm going to extinguish it. You know why? You know why it matters so much to him? Because he knows you're going to heaven. That's done. In a few weeks, it's going to be 4th of July. Now, on 4th of July, when I was a kid, I used to say to my dad, Dad, can't I just have one cherry bomb? Can I just have one M80? Or at least let me have some black cats. But no, my dad would only as a child let me have sparklers. <laughs> Woohoo! And so to appease me, and it didn't, but he thought it would, he let me be the first one to light one. So I got to light the first sparkler. But you know what happens when you light a sparkler? Everybody that doesn't have their sparklers lit come to you because your sparkler has the power to light their sparkler. So all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that are not lit, but you're lit, and they want you to light their fire. So you light their sparkler... Now, here's what I'm telling you with this, folks. When a Christian is lit, they are dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. When a Christian is lit, when a Christian is lit and they walk into a room, and people see that, and they see the life, they see the power, they see the joy, they see all the things that Jesus has put in you, and they say, oh, man, light my fire. See, a lit people light people. When you leave church today and you go into a restaurant, go in with your sparkler lit. Go in there and say, boy, church was good today. Jesus was there. I am so blessed by him. Let it shine because Jesus lit you and he doesn't ever want you. The rest of your life, you're lit. You're a sparkler everywhere you go. Like those sparklers, Christians on fire, set others on fire. So Satan will work overtime to distract you, discourage you, deplete you, extinguish the fire inside of you so that you will say, well, you know, all of that, I shouldn't have been so worked up about it. Now I'm mature. No, you're not mature. You've gone lukewarm. Well, now I'm just a little more sophisticated. Get over it. Get back to the fire. We need lit believers. We need believers that when they walk into a room, everybody hears the sound and sees the light and turns and wants to know, where'd you get it? He wants to extinguish your fire. So if you're consumed with messes on Monday and troubles on Tuesday and worries on Wednesday and threats on Thursday and money woes on Friday and stresses on Saturday and it makes you want to stay in bed on Sunday, chances are you're under attack and need to fan the flame. 
Come on, church. I can hear some of you, you're going to go out here and say, man, I went and that preacher was crazy. <laughs> no, I am lit. And, and, and I'm lit because he lit me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was not lit, but now I'm lit. Here's what I suspect. I'm going to tell you, you see, Whatever is in here affects everything out here. And if you're burning on the inside with Holy Ghost heartburn, that passion, that excitement, where you don't do the works of the Lord because you should, you don't do it out of duty, you do it out of delight. You have a passion for God, a hunger for God, a yearning for God, a longing for God, a seeking after God, because the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. But when this in here begins to die, then things out here change as well. Somebody's relationship is falling apart today. Because somebody won't put another log on the fire. Somebody's falling away from church. You don't have the same zeal you used to have. And it's because you need to put another log on the fire. It's really that simple. Put another log on the fire. Pull out the bellows of faith and fan the flame. Some have quit singing because you need to put another log on the fire. Some have quit serving in the church because you didn't put another log on the fire. And, and I believe in taking a sabbatical. I understand taking a sabbatical. But I've seen a lot of people take sabbaticals and never come back. Because the truth of the matter was, the fire was going out. And they didn't know the secret of putting another log on the fire. Others have begun to backslide into worldliness and carnality and compromise. Because you quit putting logs on the fire. I'm telling you today... I'm preaching from my heart what God has taught Jeff Wickwire. I know. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, what are the logs? I'm going to give you a couple of real simple ones. They're so obvious, and yet so many miss it. The first log you cannot do without is this one right here, the Word of God. Did you know that this is the only book on earth that didn't come to us from earth? This is the only book on earth that wasn't written by a human author in the sense that all Scripture is given by the God-breathed inspiration of Almighty God. And that this is not a normal book. It is red hot. Every promise in this book is a log to put on the fire. Let me tell you, when I get down, I go to the Word and I put a log on the fire. When I get weary, I don't go burn out. I go grab some logs, some promises out of the book, and I put logs on the fire. I go into a place and I shut the door and I open up the Bible and I read it until I'm lit. I pray until I'm through. You say, well, pastor, how do you know when you're prayed through? When you're through. When it's done. When you're full. See, we've got we've to fight, folks. We can't go down and, into lukewarmness and walk away from the race. No, there is a secret. There is a key. And the Bible says that they don't wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Even the youths shall faint, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, that means wrap themselves around the Lord. How do you do that? You open up the book of promises, and instead of sitting on the premises, start standing on the promises. And let the Word of God fire you up. God says in Jeremiah 23, 29, it's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus asked each other, listen to this, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? When did their hearts burn with holy passion and zeal as Jesus talked to them and opened the scriptures to them? You think they're any different from you and me? You have a teacher inside of you. You have no need that any man teach you, but the same anointing which you have received and abides in you teaches you all things. So when you open up this book, the same teacher that taught them on the road to Emmaus is abiding in you and will open to you the Scriptures. And he'll light your fire and give you back your zeal and give you back your passion. And get you out of the land of Dullsville. The manna God's people gathered each morning perfectly represents the Word of God. The manna, what is it? The Bible calls the manna angel's food in Psalm 78, 25. Did you know that? Psalm 78, 25 says they ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. Manna. Manna represents the Word of God. They were to gather it every morning. They couldn't gather yesterday's manna. It rotted. They needed fresh manna every day. We need fresh word every day, fresh logs on the fire every day. Every day, church. Can you say with me every day? Jesus said to the devil, I'm quoting from the Message Bible. He said, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. A steady stream of words from God's mouth mouth. Well, pastor, I open that thing. I don't get anything out of it. Stay with it. The same anointing you have received will begin to speak to you. One more log and I'm going to close. Prayer. That's a, that's a log to throw on the fire. The Bible says that as the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit in the upper room, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying and were constantly united in prayer. And that's when the fire fell. Go to the altar every day. Clean it off. Carnality, cares of the world, worries, whatever. Clean it off. Get a new log from the Word in prayer. Throw it on the fire. Fan it into a flame. Don't leave the house till you're full. Because you are God's sparklers. Can we stand together today? How many of you know it's true? How many of you needed this today? You need this today? Me too. Some may get out of church. Some may get out of prayer, but I say not me. I want to close with quickly, I was listening to a preacher yesterday. 
And uh, I listen to preachers a lot, a lot of different preachers. I like to know what God's saying to other people. And I read voluminously. I read a lot. Just different things that have to do with the things of God. And I'm listening to this one guy yesterday, and here's what he said. He said, everywhere I go, Christians approach me bewailing the deadness of the church. Saying, hey, we can't find a church that's preaching the Word of God. We can't find a church where God's moving, where there's any sense of His presence. Now, there's great churches in America, don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of them that are dead. And I'm listening to him. And he was burdened about it. And right there in the room alone, I said something out loud. Kind of said it for me, but I also said it to the Lord. I said, not me. Not us. I've got a vision. I've got a vision of a church that is red hot boiling. I've got a vision of a church that goes out there so lit that they start winning people to Christ right and left. I've got a vision. I, I, I am thankful for people that come from other churches and, and people that are already saved that come to church. But you know who I'm after? I want that person who has never once said, Jesus, forgive me, who has not one time come to the foot of the cross, who has no idea what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit flood their heart. I am after the one that is lost and going straight to hell. I want to see that person saved. And you're anointed and you're appointed to win them. And so I want to pray for fresh fire today. Can we lift our hands? And I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, give me fresh fire. Lord, I come to you with this congregation right now. Lord, many of us have been hurt in church. Many of us have been betrayed. Many of us have experienced pains and attacks from the enemy that have been geared to try to extinguish the flame of the fire of God from our heart. But Lord, we are not going to let the enemy have our fire. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now to pour out the flame of God's fire. Church, I want you to say, Lord, forgive me for anything standing in the way of your flame burning bright. And I ask you to baptize me in fresh fire in the name of Jesus. And I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray. And we're going to sing a couple of stanzas. And I want you to pray and go to God.